I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources for a Tuesday. Hope you're having a great day out there. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News, and uh, we are working our way towards the top of the hour. Uh, And as promised, as we uh, have been working through the day today, uh, we've been uh, keeping our eye on the funeral services for George Floyd down in uh, Texas. Uh, We were just joined uh, by historic uh, civil rights leader Amos Brown, uh, who joined us live from San Francisco and uh, always love talking to him. And uh, if you missed that word, tangibilitate, uh, really putting things into action, that that tangible applicable how do you use it how do you live it how do you do it uh is uh i think it's just a great word there's there's a lot of things we could tangibilitate today uh i think would be a a good thing for all of us so i wanted to round out the day today uh really looking back and looking ahead and i i've been listening to a a series of radio segments that were produced back in the 70s it was uh, between 1976 and 1979 and it was uh, Ronald Reagan. Uh, most people don't know that uh, for several years, in between the time he was governor and when he began his run uh, for the presidency in 1979-80, uh, he did a daily radio segment. It was a three-minute segment that was broadcast across the country. Uh, he had no staff. He wrote it and uh, produced it himself. And there are just some amazing messages in there. Uh, sadly, many of them are still very applicable today. But I was listening to one the other day uh, that really struck me. And he described how when he finished his term as governor, uh, he was asked uh, to be part of a time capsule uh, in the city of Los Angeles. And it was a time capsule that was going to be opened 100 years later. So in 2076, this particular time capsule will be opened And he was asked to write a letter to the people who would open that time capsule in 2076. And uh, President Reagan said, uh, you know, at first uh, he kind of glibly thought, oh, this would be a piece of cake. I've been talking about all the problems and issues of the day. And then he sat down to actually write that letter to the future. And suddenly it got really, really hard. And I want you to listen to the process he went through, the issues he identified, again, in 1976. Uh, We're almost halfway there. And think about where we are and how this might apply to us today. I started to write my letter to the future. It was a beautiful summer afternoon. The Pacific stretched out to the horizon on one side of the highway, and on the other, the Santa Inez Mountains were etched against a sky as blue as the ocean. I found myself wondering if it would look the same a hundred years from now. Will there still be a coast highway? Will people still be traveling in automobiles? Or will they be looking down at the mountains from aircraft or moving so fast the beauty of all this would be lost? Suddenly the simple drafting of a letter became a rather complex chore. Think about it for a minute. What do you put in a letter that's going to be read a hundred years from now in the year 2076? What do you say about our problems when those who read the letter will know what we don't know? namely how well we did with those problems. In short, 
they will be living in the world we helped to shape. Will they read the letter with gratitude in their hearts for what we did? Or will they be bitter because the heritage we left them was one of human misery? Oh, I wrote of the problems we face here in 1976. The choice we face between continuing the policies of the last 40 years that have led to bigger and bigger government, less and less liberty, redistribution of earnings through confiscatory taxation, or trying to get back on the original course set for us by the Founding Fathers. Will we choose fiscal responsibility, limited government, and freedom of choice for all our people? Or will we let an irresponsible Congress set us on the road our English cousins have already taken, the road to economic ruin and state control of our very lives? On the international scene, two great superpowers face each other with nuclear missiles at the ready, poised to bring Armageddon to the world. Those who read my letter will know whether those missiles were fired or not. Either they will be surrounded by the same beauty we know, or they will wonder sadly what it was like when the world was still beautiful. If we here today meet the challenge confronting us, those who open that time capsule a hundred years from now will do so in beauty, peace, prosperity, and the ultimate in personal freedom. If we don't keep our rendezvous with destiny, the letter probably will never be read, because they will live in the world we left them, a world in which no one is allowed to read of individual liberty or freedom of choice. This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening. So, uh, again, this was President Reagan, uh, then uh, just Ronald Reagan. He was in between. He was no longer governor of the state of California. Uh, he had not yet run in uh, the 1980 campaign. And so he was going through this uh, this real challenge in terms of what we have, looking at you know what things would be like a uh, hundred years down the road, uh, those who who would be opening the time capsule, what kind of space would they be doing that from? Was the question that that Reagan asked? Because he said, "What a what a challenge to know that the people who would be reading that letter would be they would know they would know whether we did it right or wrong. They would know looking at the problems of our day uh, if we did the right things or if we did the wrong things." Reagan ended uh, by saying, those who open that time capsule 100 years from now, will do. Will they do so in beauty, peace, prosperity, and the ultimate in personal freedom? If we don't keep our rendezvous with destiny, the letter probably will never be read because they will live in a world we left them, a world in which no one is allowed to read, to have individual liberty or freedom of choice. Uh, so that was Ronald Reagan uh, back in 1976, again, looking at uh, a letter he wrote to be put in a time capsule uh, for 2076, so 100 years down. So my question to everybody today is, if, you're, if you were writing that letter to the future today, how would you describe the problems of our time? How would you describe the progress of our time? How would you describe the the world today? And what would you hope that those who would read that letter a hundred years from now, what would you hope they would learn from the challenges we faced? And think about that. Because if you project that forward, if you say, okay, here's here's the lesson I hope someone one hundred years from now learns from the challenges the difficulties, the obstacles of our day. If we would all go through that process, we would find the answers to today. And we'd probably find them a little better and from a little less bitter place. 
and a place that's uh, far less divisive. As we talked about yesterday, if you want to bridge the divide, you can't do it by driving the wedge deeper. You have to remove it. So I would hope 100 years from now they could say that all of us were part of the generation, a part of the time in this country where we pulled the wedge out, that we didn't just continue to keep swinging at it, that we actually removed the wedge and bridged the divide. That's the test. See if we can do it 100 years from now. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on KSL Inside Sources today. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.